All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Tim's here. I'm here. Everybody's happy. It's November 6th. Tim, how are you doing? We've already, we've been talking for the last 20 minutes. So there's not really anything to catch up on. You had a boring weekend. I had a fantastic weekend. Par for the course. My life is fantastic. Yours is very forgettable. Um, <laughs> not how you expected to be opening to go. Do you want to know mine was why mine was so good? Not really. I played a couple hockey games last night and in the first period of my first game i absolutely went bar down from the blue line off a of face up i'm talking pating down everybody on the ice was like whoa and i felt so good was a clapper I, oh yeah it was it was a great shot and i i i couldn't do it if you asked me to you know 100 shots just take them and nobody's guarding you nobody's coming at you i couldn't do it again but it was just a really nice shot it felt good because I don't what do it very often. One of the unwritten rules of men's league, though, is that if, if you're a defenseman, you're shooting low. Because no one's wearing a lot of protective gear. That is an you, unwritten rule. You let it rip, though. I very rarely shoot low. Everybody knows when I wind up, just get out of the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like, they, it's a running joke. I, I broke a guy's hand last year. I'm like, get out of my way, man. I'm going to let her fly. Who cares? I scored. Didn't celebrate. Classy celebration. Turned, skated back to the face-off dot. Maybe that's not so classy because I don't even cheer with my teammates. What would your celebration be, Tim? If you, because your kids do this growing up, you know, you're you're on the back pond, you're in practice, you score, you do your celly. What is your dream celebration? You get the big goal, overtime winner. What is Tim Wurzberger doing? I'm jumping into the glass. Ovi game. Yeah, yeah. Poster not celebrate with the fans. Yeah. You like that. What would yours be? I I always liked the Tiger Williams style riding the stick, but I, I wasn't I wasn't able to do that. Um, I don't know. I did it in the all-star game. Touch the ice, do the big celly, make a big scene of it, but I don't know. There's some pretty good sellies out there. There's some ones that are not that great. We should rank the best celebrations for goals on current players or just all time. Like the famous one is Theo Fleury. He scores the overtime winner. He runs, he skates down the ice and he's falling all over the place. It's just very exciting. I don't know. We used to have one in our men's league back. I think it might've been like the summer men's league when I was in college. And every time we scored a goal, 
all five of us, no matter who was on the ice, didn't celebrate, just sprinted immediately back to the faceoff thing and just waited in our positions. That's annoying. Yeah, that the older guys me. hated it. The older yeah. guys hated it. Well, because you're embarrassing the other team. Just sprinted. Let us go again. It's yeah. all about class and respect in my eyes. Not not for you, apparently. That was that was a long time ago. You know who's classy? There's a young kid named Jude Napier. He he sent out a nice picture to us. He tagged us on Instagram. He went to the Blackhawks game, Tim, last week. His first Hawks game. He was very excited. He made a sign. Is he wearing a Bedard jersey? Is he wearing a Taves jersey? Is he wearing a Kane jersey? Tim, what, what jersey was he wearing? Maybe Taylor Hall jersey. Maybe Taylor was, Hall. That was my lots guess. of lots of choices. There's a, a an endless amount of Hall of Famers that came out of the Blackhawks organization. Which jersey is he wearing? He's wearing a John Scott jersey. He sent out this night picture to us on Instagram. The sign says John Scott five goals, Connor Bedard four goals. Very nice, very good sign. He's going to have to update it just because Bedard has scored five goals already. But yeah, really nice to get that. It's it's good when a, I don't know a little kid still has got your jersey. He looked like he's what seven eight. No, he probably wasn't born when you were in the league. Makes me feel good, Tim. I was in the league five years ago, so it made me feel pretty Thank good. You saying that six saying years that ago, years six years ago. Yeah. So Jude, congrats, buddy. I'm glad you went to the game. Maybe I'll I'll catch you one of these days when I'm in Chicago. I just got caught off guard last night after my high of going bar down on this goalie who was very good, by the way. I was driving home and I checked my email, and one of the NBC producers is like, "Looking forward to this Thursday." I go, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, we're going to do the pregame at a lo- local bar. It'll be great. You can go there and walk back to the studio and it'll all be set up. You can, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll manage all the logistics when you get here. And I'm just like, I had no idea, Tim, I was going there this Thursday. And I have a lot of plans this week. So I had to quickly send out an email to everybody saying we had an interview planned. And I can't do the interview. Can't do this. Can't do that. So you got to stay on your toes. Anyways, moving on. What are we talking about this week, Tim? Well, I want to talk about Brady Kachuk, friend of the show. We can spend just a minute or two on this. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but the Senators are struggling, and he had some interesting comments after the game, and he's kind of calling out his own fans a little bit, which I feel like in this situation was totally fair, and I don't think he's really being negative about him. Just He's just pushing back a little bit. So the Senators lost the game. They get booed off their own ice, and they're, most of them are openly calling for DJ Smith to lose his job. We know from Brady and from others that have spoken about it that he's they like him. They like DJ Smith. They like his coaching style. But something's not working. Their last place in the Atlantic, even though they're only four and six, which isn't horrible, and that division is just it's it's a death sentence. So this is what this is what Kachuk said uh, to the media after the game. "Quote: It's frustrating when you and whenever you don't win, it's frustrating. It's frustrating the negativity from the outside, the constant booing and the BS kind of from the crowd tonight." I understand that they're passionate fan base. And I understand that, and I love it. But when you face adversity and you don't turn your back on the guys out there, we're playing hard. I know it's frustrating right now. It's not like we're giving up out there. We're fighting right to the very end. So he's basically saying, he calls it BS that the crowd boot him off the ice. What do you think about that? This is this is not the first time he has mentioned this and kind of pushed back against the Ottawa fan base because they a Canadian fan base is different than a, an American fan base. Canadians are they have very, very a short time frame until they get frustrated because they know good hockey. They played it their entire life. They can tell when the team's not playing up to potential. So this happened after the second period. Tampa Bay 
was up four to one going into the locker room and the fans were rightfully upset and frustrated. Ottawa, they, they responded. They came out, scored a couple goals, made of the game, but Ottawa eventually lost six to four. I, I get where Brady Kachuk is coming from. I've been on bad teams where you think things are going okay. You're trying your best. You're not giving up and you're just not getting rewarded. You're not getting the puck bounces maybe here and there. And you're playing a good team. Tampa's a good team. And the fans start booing. And you're just sitting on the bench and they're really giving it to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm a fourth line schmuck. Like it doesn't, it doesn't phase me as much as it does Brady Kachuk because he's playing 25 minutes. He's the face of the franchise. So inevitably it falls on him. Why are we losing? It's your fault, Brady Kachuk. You're the one steering the ship. You're the guy. So he's frustrated. He's like, I'm, we're doing our best. And it's not like they're, they're not having a great season. Like you mentioned, they're not having the ideal start that they wanted, but they're four and six for Pete's sake. If they would have won, they would have been 500. So it, it's very strange that the Ottawa Senators fans are already getting this frustrating and booing the team after 10 games. Do they expect them to win the Stanley Cup? Maybe after this offseason, they get Tarasenko, they sign Claude Giroux, they're making moves, this and that. They want to make the next, next step. But I think it's a little bit premature to be booing after the second period. When you're facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have gone to three straight Eastern Conference Finals. Like, this is not the Buffalo Sabres you're playing. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning, a pretty legit team. So, is it a good thing for Kachuk to push back, Tim? How does that go over in the community? Because he's that guy. He's the face. You know, he's, he's the one who's getting all the endorsements all over town. Do the fans like that? Do they not like it? What's your take on this? I can't speak for the fans of, the, of Ottawa. Um, I did see a lot of positive feedback on this from just the regular hockey, you know, personalities and media guys uh, around the league. Our friend Amal from Nation Network said he was the best captain in the league, probably, or top three wow. um, in response to this to this comment. And, and we've said similar things before. I like that he wears his heart on his sleeve. Like, it's passionate. You don't say that unless you're passionate, unless you're holding it close to your heart. So I, I think it's a good thing. I can, And he's not really like... He's not um, – remember when uh, Bo Horvat last year like talked about how much better the Islanders fans were than the Canucks, like things like that. Yeah. That's not really close with to what Brady's doing here. He's just talking about like, listen, I get it. We're, we're frustrated too, but I don't appreciate being booed. And I feel like that's a fair thing for him to say, especially when, like you said, it's it's a four and six start. I know it's a frustrating thing. You have higher hopes heading into the season. You kind of thought you guys would be at the at least a playoff team, but not a contender. And now you, you win only four of your first – 10 games that's not good enough but it's not a death sentence and i feel like they they can bounce back from this so i'm I'm pretty good with his honesty i think it's a good thing do you think he's getting a pass because he's built up such a good amount of goodwill and positive stuff on this team and in this city whereas like a guy like jt miller last year where everything he said in the press was twisted and turned and he was just crucified for it so is there just a difference where Kachuk's put in the groundwork there? He's been there a long time where fans are just like, okay, you know what? Maybe we're being a little too hard on you where JT Miller comes into Vancouver. Because essentially very similar statements for both of them. Yeah, I mean, I think Kachuk has that credibility that he's built um, just by being a leader, by being there for a long time and a lot of ups and downs. And he signed long-term contracts when they didn't have anyone else locked up when they weren't competitive and he saw he stuck around for the rebuild. So I feel like he has earned that like credibility, like you said. So maybe, but I don't think that's a bad thing that, that he's getting a little bit of a, 
I don't think I, I don't even think it's a pass. I think he's just I think he is in a place where he can push back. Um, and you're seeing it right now. What where does this team go from here? Because like you said, this is a this is Death Valley for teams. Like you have the Bruins, the Lightning, the Leafs, the Canadians, Sabres, Panthers, Red Wings. What if they don't keep winning? What happens? Does, does he keep pushing back on the fans? At what point do the fans have the legit right to boo the team? Tim. Well, this is where you get into like their upcoming schedule. So they have a big game against Toronto on what is it, Wednesday. Um, I wouldn't say that's a must-win category, but that'd be a great win because then you have Vancouver, Calgary, Detroit, Minnesota, Islanders, Florida for the rest of the month. Those are all very winnable games. Um, if you could start it off with a win over Toronto, that's even better because your your confidence is going to be boosted heading into these uh, West Coast games. So I feel like if if you're if you're looking for that, you're looking for that win against Toronto to start things off because a lot of people are talking about whether DJ Smith's even going to have a job by the weekend. I don't know how how close he is to that. I think I saw an article on Daily Faceoff on one of those sites saying he might be like he might be on the chopping block pretty soon here. So I think that's kind of the other question right now. Yeah, there's a couple coaches early on that are already feeling the heat because they're just not living up to expectations. You mentioned just easy wins when you look at the schedule, and it just struck me in years past you could lock in, you know, a road trip where you're going to face some pretty pretty low hanging fruit and lock in some points this year. There's very few teams that are an easy out. Gone are the days when you'd go play Arizona and that's an easy win. Then you'd swing by and you'd hit Anaheim and you play this team and that's an easy win. There's only a handful of teams, Tim, that I think are easy outs. You you have maybe the Chicago Blackhawks, but they've beaten the Vegas Golden Knights. They're, they're, they're not an easy out anymore. You obviously have the San Jose Sharks. And then the two teams in Alberta could potentially – turn into easy outs for teams gone are the days like when i used to go to alberta it's like gosh we're in for one we're gonna play the alberta like oilers flames in vancouver was a scary stretch but now all of a sudden that seems to be pretty easy if you're visiting team going into that province but a surprising team that could potentially turn into an easy out are the minnesota wild currently sitting seventh place in the central or off to a terrible start four five and two nothing's really gone right the star players on this team zuccarello erickson they're having decent starts nothing to write home about but what's been the main issue tim with this minnesota wild team who the last few years have played pretty solid even though they're in salary cap hell like we've talked about year after year yeah there are a few things i noticed when i look at their stats and i look at their roster the first one is you need more from kirill kaprizov he's got 11 points which is good but you need more than three goals in 11 games from your stars your star forward really the driver of your offense a great start from zuccarello a good start from um erickson Eck, even hartman i know you kind of we talked last week about the value of a point per game when your best players should be better but 10 points in 11 games for hartman is a good thing 11 points in 11 games for erickson Eck who's a defensive stalwart is a, is a good thing too. But Kaprizov, you need more. You need more offense from him. You need, he should be at six or seven goals by now. Uh, and he's only at three, which is concerning. The other thing is that the goaltending. Flurry has been okay. He's 2.68, I believe, his goals against. Um, save percentage below 900, so that's not good enough. But he's been okay. However, Gustafson has gotten the bulk, the bulk of the starts. He's gotten, I think, six out of the 11 games he started. And he's been pretty terrible. This is I'm surprised we haven't talked about this sooner. His goals against is almost five, four point eight nine, eight point seven one save percentage. Like that is really, really bad. 
And the third thing I think they're missing is is that that number one defenseman. Dumba's gone. He's in Arizona now. Spurgeon and Goligoski are on the LTIR. You still have Brodeen, who's a stud. You have Jacob Middleton, who's a defensive. He's like a sixth, seventh defenseman. Yeah. He's leading the defenseman <clears throat> in points with seventh. Like, that's obviously not going to keep up. So you're missing that guy who's going to run the power play, who's going to log to heavy minutes, who can kind of do everything defenseman. Spurgeon's probably that guy, and hopefully he's healthy soon. But um, to me, those are the three things that stand out. Yeah, this team is not <laughs> – it's not good. Not good at all. When you look at um, the goaltender, Gustafson, he was brought in. He got traded for Cam Talbot. Talbot didn't work in Minnesota, so they thought they'd switch it up. Atrocious. Just absolutely awful. They just gave him this big deal this offseason. What is he making? $3.75 million. It's 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 not good enough. Mark Andre Fleury finds himself as a starter. At 38 years old, he probably went in thinking, maybe I have a good year. I get traded to a contender, and I can be a backup, just like Jonathan Quick is or something like that. All that aside, they – they're not a good team, Tim. Uh, I think the shine is finally starting to wear off. The reality setting in the year after the year of the salary cap hell because of Zach Parise, Ryan Suter is starting to set in. They overachieved the last few years. It, you, you can't compete when you're eating $15 million in salary cap. It just isn't possible. So if everything isn't going right, if Matt Zuccarello isn't playing incredible, if Kirill Kaprizov isn't scoring highlight real goals, Matt Boldy, injury issues already this year. I think he's only played five games. He's only got one goal. So maybe he's starting to come down to earth a little bit after that great sophomore campaign. I don't know. I, I don't know what else you can expect from the Minnesota Wild. In my eyes, they are an easy win. These days, which is which is hard to say because they have pieces that are good. But when you can't have 15 million dollars to spend on hockey players. That's that's a big deal. And then you look on your back end and your star defenseman who's making seven and a half million is out. So you're missing twenty two million dollars worth of players. And I know Jared Spurgeon goes on the LTIR and it frees up seven and a half million dollars. But it's not like you can go out. And find a guy for seven and a half million dollars that's as good as Jared Spurgeon. You can't. It's just impossible. So you, you do what you can do, but it's just what's that, Sam? What were you gonna say? Just give me a random team, any team. Just pick a random team. Well, let's go with the Seattle Kraken. Okay. I'm gonna pull up <laughs> what you can get for fifteen million dollars on this roster. It's basically anyone. And that's you a bad want. roster. Yeah. Every any every two guys on that team you could bring to the Minnesota Wild. Three, there's no forward making more than five and a half. And the only guy defenseman who's making more than 4.6 is Vince Dunn at 7.3. Like, you can you can go get Schwartz and Eberle and Adam Larson. Like, how much better is that? You can bring over their whole first make? line. So yeah. imagine taking Seattle's first line, plunking it in Minnesota, then adding Vince Dunn. It's a pretty solid team. Yep. So Billy Guerin has had this task of icing a competitive team for the last few years now. When you're basically eliminating a first line, maybe a second line, because Seattle is, is a strange team where they really don't have a superstar making a lot of money. They have a lot of good second line players. But yeah, it's you you can't compete in today's hockey where you're really focusing on that star player and those really high-end guys to anchor that first line, then you fill in around them. We're seeing teams struggling now because they have those high-end guys and they weren't able to put the pieces around them to supplement that first line Edmonton Oilers come to mind where it's like, okay, we have a first line. They're not really working out. Colorado Avalanche are still trying to piece together the players to go around their first line, but luckily they have world-class defensemen. They have a good goaltender in, in place. It's not like the Minnesota wild have 
a Kale McCarr in the back end. They don't have those types of players to kind of buttress up a poor third or fourth line. So I don't know. They're an easy out for me, Tim. I think when it comes down to it, if, I, if I'm going into Minnesota, I'm expecting to come out with two points now. Whereas last year and the year before, I was like, eh, you know, this is a good team. We got to get up for this team. I, I, I just don't see them being the threat they were in years past. Am I wrong? No. No, this is this is not going to get this is I would say it's going to get ugly, but it, it might get ugly. You're 15 million dollars off the cap this year and again next year. Like it's not going to yeah. be pretty for a little bit. Um which is tough and it's not it's not Bill Guerin's fault, but he's going to have to clean up this mess. If he's around in 2 years, he's going to have so much fun when he gets that money coming off the books and then the cap eventually will rise this year and the next year. So he's going to have probably 30 million dollars to spend in one offseason where he's just been counting quarters the last few years, trying to make things work, shaving, shaving money. Now, if you're a Minnesota wild fan and you're betting on your team, you're experiencing lots of losses. I'm talking losing left and right. If you were a Minnesota wild fan, losing those bets and you were signed up with give better, it wouldn't sting as much because even though you're losing, your favorite team is going downhill. You would still feel good because 25% of all of those losses would go to charity. Now, if you're not signed up with Give Better, you better do it soon because gambling is fun. Losing, not fun. Giving some of your losses to charity, a lot of fun. You can pat yourself on the back. So go to givebetter.app slash DTG right now, and it gets better, Tim. You take a quick survey, you get a chance to win two tickets to any NHL game you want. Any day you want, any place you want, lower bowl tickets. It's a fantastic offer that's only going to last for another two weeks now. They're drawing November 27th, so get going quick. Sign up at givebetter.app slash DTG for a chance to win two tickets to any NHL game in North America. It's a great deal. They're a good company. They're trying to do good stuff in a market that is a little slimy, online gambling, but everybody enjoys a good bet on a team, especially if they're your team like the Minnesota Wild. So why not make some good out of a loss? 25% of all your losses go to charity. You can write it off for Pete's sake. It's a win-win. So find them in our bio. Give better social responsible sports gambling, Tim. All right. We talked about the Minnesota Wild, a team that's kind of on the downward slope. What's a team that's surprising right now? This is the team we just touched on just a little bit last week, the Anaheim Ducks. They have now won six straight, including beating Vegas last night, handing Vegas their first regulation loss. They also beat Boston during during this stretch here. So the playoffs started today. Anaheim's in it, which I don't think many people saw coming. Um, what's happening well, Mason McTavish leads the team with 13 points. He had 43 last year in 80 games. So this is having a breakout year. Um, he's going to probably more than double that if he keeps this up. And then Frank Vitrano is tied for second in the league with nine goals. He's already had a hat trick. He's just scoring in bunches right now. Um, Rookie Leo Carlson, the kid, not putting up a ton of points yet, but he's getting a lot of praise and a lot of positive feedback in what I'm reading about just being already an NHL-ready player, even though he's only 18, I believe, uh, making big plays for the big team. And what's interesting is that all these things are happening well, right? And you would think, okay, they're young up-and-coming team, their young skill guys must be leading the charge. Zegers must have, what, 10 points? Maybe he's had a quiet eight points. He has one goal and one assist. That is the exact same stat line as his teammate, Radko Gudis. 11 games, one goal, one assist. What's going on? Add for Nick Newbetter. He's not a great hockey player. 
I think he's just that early season little spat he had and the pushback from management and the contract negotiations not going his way. He wanted north of seven, eight million dollars. He felt like he was in the same group as those high end guys. He's not. It's it's Trevor Zegras. He is a very selfish hockey player. I think this is a good thing for the Anaheim Ducks that they're succeeding and he's showing his true colors. Maybe he comes around and they make him a better team. Who knows? But he's got two points to him. He's playing on the first line. It's not like he's getting lack of opportunities. He's on the first line. He's on the first power play unit. The guy is getting a lot of ice time. He's just not scoring. He's not putting up points. So I think it's a good lesson for kids. It's like to shut your mouth, play hockey, and good things happen. When you go and spout off in the media and you're all over social media and this and that, I'm not saying it happens to everybody, but this is a good lesson for you. He's got one goal, one assist. He's not too active on social media now, is he, Tim? He's you don't hear quiet. much from him. You, know, you don't hear much from him in the press these days, do you? He's out mm. of the locker room pretty darn quick. So it's just, it, it's it's nice to see something like this happen. But it's not just the forwards and the defensemen getting it done. The goaltenders are playing pretty pretty solid. John Gibson, could he go down as a modern-day Henrik Lundqvist? Oh, he's just like a solid goaltender, never has a bad season, but just doesn't win anything because the team they're surrounding him with really isn't Stanley Cup contenders. Because I love myself some John Gibson. This guy's a, he's a stud, Tim. He's a stud. He's had some bad seasons, but he's also been on some pretty oh, bad teams. Oh, stop. Bad teams are, are bad seasons. He's been holding this team competitive for years now. Last year, 399, 899. I'm just... But it's a team. If if it's any other goaltender, it's 720 and eight goals against per game. Yeah. Um, and Lucas, <laughs> Lucas Dostal or Dostal? I don't know. It's, Dost, it's Dostal. You definitely don't know. Um, they've split. They split pretty much 50-50. He started five. Gibson started six. Um, both goals are below three goals goals against average, save percentage above nine, which is kind of what you want. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. I'm starting to think these guys might be onto something. And the fact that they're doing it without Zegris means if he starts turning it on, which I don't feel like you're not confident on, but I think if, if he's a skilled player and he puts up some points, which he's capable of doing, they're going to be even better. And they brought in Kaloran last night back from injury. Oh, good. Uh, which is he's back in the, in the lineup too, which is pretty cool. No, I think Zegers will turn it around. He's too talented to not get points, but it's just a good lesson that maybe you should focus on hockey a little more before you start asking for everything and then some. But yeah, Anaheim will be there. I I, I think, gosh, will the Oilers ever wake up? I know I keep going back to that, but I look at this Pacific division. Vancouver, I don't think is going to slow down. I like Vancouver. They're playing well. They're playing with confidence. Rick Taka has them buzzing. LA is always there. Vegas is going to win the division. So it's that fourth team is who is it going to be? Is Seattle going to show some signs of improvement? They've been struggling. They, they're just hovering around that 500 mark. Calgary is a dumpster fire. I think we all know that. Is Edmonton going to find their way? Is McDavid going to just carry him to a playoff berth? I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. So I like the Anaheim's chances. I think they're playing well. They're playing with confidence. And yeah, good for them. All right, Tim, what are we going to talk about? Oh, the Oilers. Speaking Ugh, of those, let's get to them. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like what else can we say at this oh, point? But we gosh. have to say something. Two seven. Are we going to talk about Evander Kane's wife? I know we talk about her quite a bit. She's been causing it just 
pain in the side. Do you think she contributes to this at all? Because I've been on teams where the wives are just a little bit, you know, outspoken. They're, they're causing problems in the wives' room. Nothing to this extent where she's airing dirty laundry about Evander, supposedly talking about McDavid's wife calling her ugly and stuff and this and that, or his fiance. That's like crossing a line. It, like, And that's just the latest barrage of her throwing just haymaker after haymaker out of Vander Kane. It's just, do you think she's going too far? Well, if you take it for, for what, she, what it's worth, and she is a mother who is not, doesn't have access to her child. Is, have you seen you the SNL skit? I'm a, I'm your mother. No. It's Fred Armisen and Zach, uh, what's the guy's name? He was in Baywatch. He's like a hard throw. Uh, Efron. Yeah. Galifianaka. Zach Efron. Yeah, go go check out that skit. It's really funny. Fred Armisen, I'm your mother. And he's like throwing glass cups at him. It's, it's one of the best SNL skits I've ever seen. Anyways. I will watch it. Yeah, she's, a, if, she's a scorned mother. For if, sure. Like if your child was taken away, is there is there something you wouldn't do? It Probably depends not. on who took the child, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I go <laughs> back and forth on kidding. this. Because sometimes I'm like, well, this poor woman, right? And Vander is like, if where there's smoke, there's fire. And he's had all these issues and she doesn't have access to her little baby. And then I read stuff. I'm like, I, I think she's a liar. I think she's making a lot of this up. And then it's also the court system wants the mother and the baby to be together. So the fact yeah. that they're not really speaks on the flip side, maybe it's just because he has better lawyers and he's spending millions and millions and she can't afford it. So it's just like, I, I can't. I, I don't know. Does he have that money though? He was left with <laughs> nothing when he got sued by all those casinos and he filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. It's a it's a toxic situation, Tim. It really is. And you were saying she's making a ton of money on her side gig, which is definitely eye-opening. If if I'm trying to get my kid back, I don't think that's the angle I would take, but it's um it's not a good situation to have around a professional sports team. I'll say it at that. And it's obviously it, it's affecting the locker room. You can see it on Connor McDavid's face after he gives an interview. They're now two, seven and one. This is the second worst start in team history. The worst start was 92, 93. They were one, eight, one. They are two, seven and one, everybody. This is not a good hockey team, but you have the two best players on the planet, which is so bizarre that those two things can coexist at the same time. But here we are. It is what it is. I, this was a buy or sell segment. We didn't really do it with the first two teams. Are you finally selling? I, I was a little worried when McDavid went down with the injury. You weren't too much because you said the Oilers were deep. Are you ready to concede that they're in big trouble? You shake your head and you roll your eyes like, I didn't say that. I said we they have were the receipts. You said they're you a deep team. Credit for. And now they're are you ready to concede that they're not very deep? Yeah, well, they're not deep. Because even, man, that look that Drysdale gave the reporter when when he was asked if they were a one-man team, and he looked up like, are you out of your mind? And then they lose a bunch of games, and McDavid comes back, and they win that one Heritage Outdoor Classic. Heritage game, yeah. And then they start losing again. And it's like, jeez, jeez, Louise, is McDavid even, how healthy is he? You know, like he's still putting up points, but not... Not and, the pace that he's used to. No, he's, he's usually at double this when he start to start the season. And he he was he spoke at the, their last loss, which was Nashville, I think. And he said it's yep. a death death by a thousand paper cuts. Like they're in pain right now, and it's it's kind of like Brady. It's a frustrating thing, except there's just I don't know. It's bad. 
It's just bad. So here's my question. Dreinsidel was asked that question and he, and he gave a very quizzical look. Like, are you, are you seriously asking that question? Do you think he's unaware at how bad the team is when McDavid's not playing? Like he, he seemed to be offended, but maybe they are fooled. Maybe they do think they're Stanley cup contenders. And maybe they do think that they don't need McDavid as badly as they do. Because uh, I was, you know, the question was a little unnecessary at that point, but it's obvious if McDavid's not 110% carrying this team, they're terrible. And Tim, I'm not, I'm not even being exaggerating a little bit. They're a bad hockey team when McDavid's not the best player on the planet. And I think they're showing it. They have no offensive jam. They have no pace in their play. Their defensive zone is terrible. And don't even get me started on their goaltending. Jack Campbell is atrocious. The fact that he's still playing on an NHL roster boggles my mind. The only reason he's there right now is his contract. You can't send him down. You're going to have to eat dead cap. His numbers, he's four and a half goals against per game. He's played five games. He gives up four and a half goals against him. That's 23 goals. It, it's it's awful. His save percentage is 8.73. And Stuart Skinner, the saving grace last year, everybody thought he was the second coming of Grant Fuhrer. This guy, let's anoint him the savior. He's going to be our goalie of the future. Gone are the days of Mike Smith and this and that. He's one in three with a 0.86 save percentage. Goals against 3.62. Both of their goalies suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but is this a case of the defense or the goaltenders, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. Their defense seems that I thought they had it all figured out. They made a good trade. They bring in some good players on the back end. It's just, it's not working. Can you finally just call this team what it is? They had a good few years where they were on a good run, but now they're just a bad hockey team. I wonder right. how much of it too is like, eventually teams are going to catch up with you, right? Like if you, if you have the two best players in the world and you can do a lot of crazy things on the ice, you're going to win some games, but eventually they're going to understand how to play against you. Do you think some of that's happening too? Well, I, I don't think it's that because teams have always known how to play against these guys. You try your best to lock down McDavid. And if you, you, you can't do it, but you try to contain him. And I think this year he has lost a step. He's injured. He's not his usual self. And I think teams are able to slow him down. Even I bet he's clipping along at 70% right now. And he's still got 10 points in eight games. He's a, he's a, he's a once in a generation player. Like he really is that good. But when he's not playing to top speed, this team sucks. Like it really does. I know I keep saying that, but it does. So you bring over who just got a big bonus. Connor Brown, I saw it. He just got a three and a half million dollar bonus because he played 10 games. <laughs> he was going to be the guy playing with Connor McDavid. They played in juniors together. He was going to ride shotgun again with him and Hyman. And there's going to be dry inside on the second line with Kane and Hopkins. It was going to be great. Connor Brown has zero points. <laughs> zero. He stinks. And they're going to give him three and a half million dollars for his 10th game play just because he had that bonus in his contract. So Steve, they signed Sam Gagne. Like what is this 2020? Like 12? He's the I all these contracts, these teams dole out. Oh, he's you know, he's gonna revert back to the player he was. It they never work. The Hawks tried to do it in 2016 or 15 or 17 when they remember they brought back everybody. Yeah. And it never works, Tim. So I don't know why GMs continue to try to go back to this well. Oh, he's gonna, you know, he feels comfortable here. 
he's really gonna you know Luch. revert back to his good times never happens um halak halak is practicing with the hurricanes today i wonder if he's gonna get uh a roster but just back to the oilers real quick you know jay woodcroft a little bit from your time in san jose is he the coach to, to write the ship or should he be on like the chopping block as well Like, I don't think any coach can write the ship. I really don't. Like, what kind of coach do you need? Do you think a coach is going to come in who's like a hard-nosed, you know, busting balls coach is going to come in and be able to jive with McDavid and Dreinsidel? Uh, I don't think so. What kind of coach works in this environment? Well, just if you drop in uh, Cassidy or a John Cooper or, or Brindamore, do they start winning some games, you know? I really don't think so. Like, I think Woodcroft is a good coach for this group. He's an offensive-minded coach. He really teaches the game. He's smart. He's good with kind of numbers and this and that. And it's they had some early success with them, but I just they don't have the the horses in the stable. This is a bad team. They're not deep. Like they have three up front that are legit NHL players that can score goals. Their third and fourth line, I think, haven't scored all season. Like they're just. They're not a good team, Tim. I think we can stick a fork in the Oilers. They're done. They will not make the playoffs. I'm selling hard on this team. As hard as I can. I'm yeah. holding out just a little glimmer of hope. You're the just ever because. optimist. You really are. You're eternal Just because optimist. of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Just because of how good they are. She I won't cheat think... on me again. She said she wouldn't. Yeah, but they've made the playoffs for the last few years in a row. So it's like... In the dumpy Western Conference. Well, it's still dumpy now. So it is, but they're the dumpiest of the dumpers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Uh, they're the second worst team in hockey, and the only team that's worse than them is the worst team of all time. Oh my gosh, the San Jose Sharks! San yeah. Jose, oh man, first team in NHL history to not register a regulation win in their first eleven games, or something. There's some stat that they are now officially the worst team in the NHL ever history. The third or fourth team ever to let ten goals in back-to-back games. Crazy. That's hard to do. Vlasic sitting in the press box going, dodge that bullet. Oh, he didn't, he didn't dress in that second game? I don't think he did. Okay. But oof. That's, it's a it's not a good environment. And they even have a crappy rink and practice rink. So even going to the rink stinks. You know, it's just like, this sucks. Uh, everything in San Jose is kind of a step below other organizations. For whatever reason, the owner doesn't want to invest in the team too much. It's just not a good spot. I wish we can go back to like early years of the show from 2020 and you talking about how ugly it's going to get for this team when all these contracts, not that you were the only one saying it, but we talked about this for years oh, yeah. and yeah. this is, this is worse than we imagined. I said them, I said the Capitals and I said the Penguins, the Penguins are still trying to hold on for their dear life, but look at the Capitals are bad. Penguins well, are bad. Sharks are bad. Penguins are still like at the bottom of their um, division as well, except now their their goals for just shot up after this one game. So you, you think they're more competitive than they are, but they they're not. It's called the sharks effect. Yeah, <laughs> not the butterfly effect. Play the sharks, their goals for goes up through the roof. All right, let's do some quick hits, Tim. Yeah, these quick hits are brought to you by DoorDash. When you need quick quick delivery, go to DoorDash. Try promo code Nation twenty five for twenty five percent off your first order and free delivery. Valid only right now in Canada, but the U.S. we're coming for you soon. Kind of a controversial play over the weekend here. Manjapani of the Flames was suspended for one game for cross-checking Jared McCann, who was down on his stomach 
facing away and a nice two-hander to the back of the neck. A lot of people think it should have been more than one game. What did you think? I, th- I think George Peros is having a a bad start to the season with his suspensions. I think he's missing the mark. This should have been three to four games, I think. Vulnerable position player McCann just completely on the ice, not able to defend himself. And Mangiapani buries him in the back of the head with this. Like he just cross-checked. It was clear as day. The reason this one is very fans are up in arms is because of Jamie Ben last year in the playoffs. When he gets stone, stone falls to the ice and Ben looks over top of him and cross checks him right in the neck. Very similar play. Ben gets two games in the playoffs, which is the equivalent of six games, regular season. Why, why only one game? I don't understand. Majiapani, he's probably a first time offender. He doesn't seem to be the type of guy who does this very often. I don't know his history track record, but what's, what's Peros doing? He doesn't suspend Marshawn. He goes easy on McAvoy. He goes easy on Mangiapane. You got to lay the hammer down. We're going to talk about all these star guys being injured now. You got to you set the precedent. So who's who's injured now because of Peros can't control his players? Well, uh, Timothy Lilgren is has a high ankle sprain, which is probably. I mean, I know it's a very painful um, injury. Probably better than, or I guess better than it could have been. Uh, could have been a lot worse based on watching that video, but he's headed to the LTIR, not playing anytime soon. That's Adam, a, that's a multiple week. I've had a high ankle sprain, awful injury. That's yeah. a four to five week, potentially, depending on the grade of it. But it's it's not a fun one to have. Adam Fox headed to the LTIR, Foxy LTIR lady. after collision with Sebastian Ajo last week. Dangerous collision. I don't know if you caught it, but kind of he was yeah. going into the offensive zone. Sebastian Ajo catches his knee. Did not look good. Yeah, my fantasy team is getting decimated. I have Adam <laughs> Fox and Jack Hughes, my two studs, and they're both out. Jack Hughes went down with an upper body injury. He's weak to weak, Tim. That was another one where they kind of said this could have been a lot worse. So he, they might have gotten away with one there. Hopefully he's back. He's back quick. He's young. It's, he's pliable. Speaking. What does that mean? Pliable. It's Tom Brady's word. That's a little weird. Speaking of Lilligren, what are your thoughts on Ryan Reeves talking tough now, saying it's not going to happen again? Okay, Ryan, you're a friend of the show, but that's what you were brought for. It shouldn't have happened the first time. (laughs) And then he says, well, Brad was lucky he wasn't on the ice again with me the rest of the game. And there's footage. There's two clips where they were on the ice at the same time. Oh, no. Oh, no. And someone pulled the receipts. It's like, oh, if only. And then here it is. And it was like, I don't know, like maybe 30 to 40 seconds total. But you were. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, and I hate that he keeps getting asked about it. I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about it either, but just ugly. And, and even Sheldon Keefe said, um, quote, I hate everything about it, um, the lack of response, which is, I mean, it's a nice quote, but it's just like too little too late, man. Yeah. It's brutal. It's it's Ryan is getting a taste of Toronto media. He's probably been saying this stuff for years in Vegas, in St. Louis. Nobody really follows up. Toronto's a different animal. Everything he says is analyzed, put under a microscope, and it better be true. Because if it's not, you're going to be lambasted all over media. And he is, rightfully so. He's having a terrible start to the season. He's dash eight, zero points. He needs to do better. I think he would be the first guy to say that. In this situation, he should have tapped Keefe and said, hey, do you want me to go after him? Yes or no. It's a close game. I think it was two to two at the time, maybe one, one, one or whatever. It's a, it's a divisional game. 
he says no, then you take his number and you try to get him back. You don't say stuff in the media because now if he does something when they play each other December 2nd, he's going to get suspended. It's premeditated, this and that. You just keep your mouth shut. You go about your business. Then a month later when you play him, you bury him. You absolutely bury him. Well, assuming Lucci's is back by that point, does Reeves... Lucci's not isn't going to let him go with anyone else but but him. Yeah. Right? So it's like, is this finally going to happen? <clears throat> Because if Reeves goes after someone besides Luch, when Luch is saying, you go through me now. I mean, even Trent Frederick, I would say Luch still wants that one. So, Oh, without a doubt. Frederick yeah. is a middleweight at this point in this, when it comes to Ryan Reeves. Like, they're, they're not in the same him. weight class. He would fight him. He would, but, but they're not in the same weight class. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I think you have to fight. You have to. Like, there's no other way around it. And it's one of those things. I remember going into Boston after the Ryan Miller incident. And I was fully expecting to fight Lucic, Chara, and Thornton that night. I was brought in to calm the storm, to be the guy to say, you're not doing this to our team anymore. We went into Boston, first game of the year. And I said, I'm going to fight all three of you. And it was matter of fact. I said, Thornton, Luch, Chara, bing, bing, bing. I dummy Thornton. I looked at Chara and Lucic and I said, that's one, you're two, you're three. And those guys were picking up quarters the rest of the game. And you go watch the tape after I knock out uh, Thornton. I turned right to, I don't know if it was Lucic or if it was Char. I said, he's one, you're two. And that was it. And so the, the expectation now is for Ryan Reeves, you have to take care of business. Like, that's it. Like, this is your job. You were you were paid a handsome amount to come to Toronto. You got to go buck up, man. Like, it's time. So I'm excited. December 2nd, I think, or the 3rd. Yeah. That your, might allegiance, be- your allegiance to the Bruins it bothers me a little bit. I'm telling a factual story and you're rolling your eyes like I'm lying. Well, here's the thing. You talk about my allegiance to the Bruins. They're having the best start ever, even coming after the best season ever last year. And we barely talked about them this, this year. So I feel like other than them being in trouble, which I have owned. So I feel like I've been, I've done pretty well for myself. What's the, you have done, you have done good in that regard. But yeah. We'll, we'll talk about them next, next show. They are having their nine, one and one to 19 points. It's incredible. The last two years, they could go down as probably the best regular season team ever in all the sports. If they continue this and they would have had, they would have a banner in the rafters. If not for that selfish prick, Patrice Bergeron inserting himself in the lineup in round one, when they're up three to one versus the Florida Panthers. Isn't that amazing? Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great night. Cheers. See you Wednesday. Well, have a great night and a great morning. We appreciate all the support. Tim's going to go drink his sorrows away with his crown royal. We'll talk to everybody next week. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.